Well, turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 16. Now, our jump-off verses this morning are um, verses 11 through 15, but you could take and hold your place there. We're going to do a whole lot of Scripture this morning, but you can hold your place there because we're pretty much going to be in chapter 16 um, off and on. We'll cover just about every verse in that chapter. <clears throat> so, Exodus chapter 16 Verses 11 through 15. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel. Speak unto them, saying, At even ye shall eat flesh, and in the morning ye shall be filled with bread. And ye shall know that I am the Lord your God. And it came to pass, at Eden, the quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning the dew lay round about the host. And when the dew that lay, up, uh, lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness, there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said to another, It is manna, for they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. Now, as the children of Israel journeyed from Egypt toward Canaan, they without a doubt had many needs, just a ton of needs. And there were by some estimates about two million of them. And they needed massive amounts of food and water. And both of these needs were met by the supernatural power of God. And this passage here gives us some insight into the food they ate as they journeyed. See, the manna that fell in the wilderness was a, a tremendous blessing to the people of Israel. It fed them in that harsh land for 40 years. And God used it to sustain them and to strengthen them and to supply them until they arrived in Canaan. The manna was given to them to feed their fleshly bodies. But the manna here, if we look at it, also serves to teach us a spiritual truth. See, when, when Jesus lived on this earth, the Jews, they challenged Him to prove to, uh, to them who He was and who He claimed to be. And they suggested that if He had really been sent by God, He would give them manna from heaven to eat just like Moses had given their forefathers. Look at John chapter 6, verse 30. They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then, that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, and it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So, in response to this question, Jesus told them that God not Moses, had given the fathers bread in the wilderness. He also told them that manna served even a greater purpose than, the, than a, that of the feeding of a people that were long dead. He told them that the manna represented him. And Jesus claimed that he was the bread of life. Look at uh, John chapter 6. It continues on, verses 32 through 35. Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, here we got the double verilies. Anytime he does that, you got to pay attention because something big's coming. 
But he says, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. They said, they, then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto him, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. In John chapter 6, 40, uh, verse 48, he, uh, Jesus says, I am that bread of life. In John chapter 6, verse 50 and 51, he says, This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I, I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. See, Jesus here identifies himself with that ancient manna that fed Israel. Now, when the, when the people of Israel first encountered those, those little pieces of bread lying on the ground, you know, they looked at it and they called it manna. See, the word manna literally means, what is it? So the Israelites are walking around, they're looking and they see these little white, uh, white round things on the ground, and they're like, what is it? So they called it manna. You know, this isn't in the sermon, but, but guys, listen to me here. When you're, you know, we all know that your significant other, your wife or your girlfriend has never cooked a bad meal in her life. You know, uh, don't we? I mean, you know, happy wife, happy life. But the next time you've cooked and you say, dear, what do you, what do you think about dinner? And she goes, what is it? You can go, manna. <laughs> this is not manna from heaven. It's manna from Ray. <laughs> anyway, it, it literally means, what is it? And I want to take that question for my title today. I, I want to show you what the manna was. And I want to show you that uh, why it represents Jesus. And I want you, I want to show you a few facts about the manna today. And, and it just might be that God will use this passage to help you come to know Jesus or to come to know Him better. So the first thing I want to show you is that its conception pictures Jesus. Look at Exodus chapter 16 verse 4. It says, Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain uh, rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. See, the, the idea here, I want you to see that the idea for the manna originated with God. It was not man's idea. Now, the people were hungry, but this idea originated with God. All the people of Israel could think of was the food that they had left behind in Egypt. And left to themselves, they would have procured something that they could have been a part of. And, and the people would have sought out something that would have gratified their flesh. But by sending manna, God totally removed man from the equation. You see, manna 
was free. And all the people had to do was stoop down and pick it up. Look at verses 14 um, through 17. It says, And when the dew that was, uh, that lay up was gone, uh, that lay was gone up, behold, up on the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, It's manna, for they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. Gather of it every man according to his eating, and omer for every man according to the number of your persons. Take ye every man for them which are in his tents. And the children of Israel did so, and gathered some more and some less. See, the manna also was the gift of free grace. The truth is, Israel, like us, deserved judgment and death. But God gave them life. And that's exactly what, what God has done in the area of salvation. See, left to himself, man will seek out a religious experience that, that satisfies and gratifies his flesh. Man could have never conceived of a plan that demanded nothing of man. See, we all have this blue-collar um, uh, religious mentality. We want to roll up our sleeves and do something for God. Man wants to work, and man wants to earn his salvation by the good works that he does. Man likes to brag. And he likes to flaunt his achievements. But that's not God's plan. Look at Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. God's plan says, For by grace ye are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not of works, unless any man should boast. See, God's plan is for man to come to Him through Jesus and through Jesus alone. There's no other plan of salvation available that will save the human soul. See, John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus it says, Jesus saith unto him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by me. Acts, Acts chapter 4 teaches that there is, uh, there, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. See, salvation is not about what we can do, but it's all about what Jesus has done. My friends, you can do anything you please. You can believe anything you choose. Join any group. Join any church out there. But mark this down plain, straight, and true. Salvation and peace will only be found in one place, and that place is in Jesus Christ. Now, this manna, I want you to see this morning... Its characteristics as well also picture Jesus. And, and, and the details the Bible uses to describe the manna that fell in the wilderness, they, they reveal a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, I want you to see its appearance. Look at uh, um, Exodus chapter uh, 16, verse 31. It says, "...in the house of Israel called the name thereof manna, and it was like coriander seed, white." 
and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. See, the, the way that the manna looked paints a picture of Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me. First off, it was small. Look at verse 14. It says, And when that dew, that layup was gone, behold, upon the face of the wilderness, there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. This speaks of His humility. Now, now Jesus, He, he is the Creator of the universe. Nobody could deny that. John chapter 1, verse 3, it says, All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Colossians goes on to teach us that, that for by Him all things were created. All things that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. And it goes on to say that, that he's for, He is before all things and that by Him... All things consist or hold together. See, He is God Almighty. John chapter 1 teaches that in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Now, He's the creator of the universe. He's, he's God Almighty. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present. Yet, He came into this world... And he robed himself in human flesh. John chapter 1 verse 14 goes on. It says, this word, this word we know is Jesus. It, 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 and the word was made flesh and he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And, and he not only came into this world and robed himself or wrapped himself in human flesh, but he humbled himself. And he became a servant so that he might die for his people on the cross. Philippians chapter 2 teaches us, Paul says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him a form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself. And he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. What love. What grace. What supreme condescension. Now, this manna, it was not only small. Our scripture says that it was also round. Look at verse 14 again. It says, And when that dew was, uh, was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness, there lay a small round thing. Like a circle that has no beginning and no ending. Our Lord Jesus Christ is eternally God. He didn't have His beginning at Bethlehem. But he was able to proclaim, proclaim in John chapter 8, he says, verily, verily, and here's that double verily again, you better pay attention because something's going to get hit, uh, you're going to get hit with something here. He says, he says, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. See, and just as Jesus had no beginning, 
He'll have no ending. He's eternal. Hebrews 7 verse 24 tells us that this man, because he continueth forever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. See, our Savior is eternal. And as we look back at the, the manna, we also understand that not only was it small, not only was it round, it was also white. Look at verse 31. It says, "...in the house of Israel called the name thereof manna, and it says it was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey." This, this seed on the ground that the, they went out to pick up, it was white like the purest of snow. And the whiteness of manna speaks of the purity of Jesus. See, Jesus was born into this world without the taint of human skin. It's human sin. I'm sorry. First Peter chapter 2 tells us, uh, who did no sin, talking about Jesus, he says, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. First John tells us that, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Hebrews chapter 7 teaches us that for such a high priest became us. He was holy, he's harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and he was made higher than the heavens. And he lived without sin so that he might die for sin on the cross. Hebrews chapter 9 teaches us that for, uh, for then he must, uh, for then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of what? Of himself. And it is appointed unto men once to die, but after that, this is the judgment. So Christ was offered to bear the sins of many, and unto him that look for him, he shall appear the second time without sin unto salvation. And I want you to see the appeal of this manna. See, God designed this manna in such a way that it was a blessing to everyone who ate it. First off, it was sweet. I mean, this is Show You Love Sunday. This is the only day, uh, well, one of the only days out of the year we have a couple where we have well-meaning people feeding diabetic sugar. And, and it, uh, you know, and, and, and Lord knows diabetics love sugar. But, uh, <laughs> I do. But this was sweet. Verse 31, it says, And the house of Israel called the name thereof manna, and it was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. See, the taste of manna, it says, was like tasting wafers made with honey. And, and, and no doubt, as they looked at this, this was a pleasant surprise to everyone who placed them in on their tongue. I mean, they've got a big bowl of what is it, and you're going, you know, can you imagine the, the thought around there? Well, what, uh, what is it? Yeah, uh, what is it? What does it taste like? Well, wafers and honey. It could have tasted like anything. And they placed it on their tongue, and I'm sure it melted like sugar. 
But this is a great picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, to the sinner, and before we were saved, we, we looked at it this way, to the sinner, Jesus appears to be this harsh, this cosmic killjoy. And, and he delights in, in uh, uh, having, uh, keeping uh, people from having fun. How many times have you heard that? Well, you know, I could, uh, I could go do this, but you know what? I'm having a killer time out here right now. But the fact is, when you come to know him, you find that he's the delight of the soul, that it's just the opposite. You find that, that Jesus makes life worth living. You know, one songwriter said, every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. And the psalmist put it this way in Psalm 34. He says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. And you know what? That's been my experience. And I'm guessing it's been yours too, if you've been saved. See, not only was this, this uh, manna sweet, it was also sufficient. Verse 35, it says, And the children of Israel did eat manna for forty years. And they came to a, uh, to a land inhabited. They did eat manna until they came unto the borders of the land of Canaan. So, for forty years, the manna was sufficient for the young ones and the old ones and everyone in between. It was a perfect food. The manna was right for everybody. It was the, 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 grow, the growing boy grew into manhood off the nourishment of manna. The young girl grew into a woman by eating the manna. It sustained the rich and the poor. It fed the leader and the follower. It was good enough to sustain the lives of the entire congregation of Israel for 40 years. Again, this is a picture of Jesus. Jesus is an all-sufficient Savior. See, regardless of where you are in life, regardless of where you've been, Jesus is absolutely all you need. He can save the youngins. He can save the old ones. He can save all the ones in between, the big old goodins and the, uh, the good old biggins. Um, he can save the rich and uh, the rich folks, the poor folks, and the folks who are just getting by. He can save religious folks and wicked folks. In fact, He can and save uh, and will save anyone who will come to Him. See, the, the invitation Jesus offers is good for whosoever will. I don't know about you, but I'm a whosoever. Look at Revelation chapter 22. It says, In the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Now this manna did not fail until they arrived in the promised land. The salvation that Jesus gives will never fail. It's going to safely shepherd the people of God home. Look at John chapter 10. It says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. In John chapter 6, it says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and all him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. 
For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that all of which He hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of Him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. Now two thoughts. There's two thoughts that are worthy of note right here. First off, According to Exodus chapter 16, verses 16 and 18, no matter how much manna a person gathered, they always had the right amount. Whether they gathered a bucket or a wagon load, they always had the right amount. Those that gathered little, it never failed. Those that gathered much, it was just enough. When you come to Jesus, you're going to find that He's just enough. He is more than sufficient to save your soul. Secondly, I want, I want you to see that in, in this, this thought, according to Numbers chapter 11, verse 8, after two years, some people got tired of manna. And they tried every trick at their disposal to, cha- uh, at their disposal to change its flavor. But instead of improving the taste, their attempts to make manna better absolutely ruined the taste. In fact, they say it tasted like fresh oil. Here's my point. When man adds his alterations to the gospel message to make it more appealing, he robs it of its saving power. The gospel is absolutely sufficient just as it is. In, in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it tells us that, it, that it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, I want you to see how this manna was appropriated. See, the, the way others, or the way the children of Israel appropriated the manna also paints a picture of how people have to come to Jesus. First thing you see that it was appropriated by stooping. Exodus chapter 16, verse 14. It says, And when the dew that lay up was gone, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, It is manna, for it wist not uh, what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. See, this manna appeared all over the ground, just like a frost on a, a, a cold morning. And in order to gather it, the people had to bend their knee and get down there where that manna was. Friends, the only, the only way to come to Jesus for salvation is with a humble heart. Matthew chapter 18, verse 3, it says, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. No one comes to Jesus filled with pride and thinking they're adequate within themselves. See, the only ones who, come, who can come to Him are those who see themselves as they really are, sinners in, in, in need of a Savior. 
Now this manna, I want you to see also that it was appropriated by swallowing. It did them no good to go out there, bend their knee and pick it up if they didn't eat it. So verse 16, it says, This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded, gather of it every man according to his eating, and omer for every man according to the number of your persons, take ye every man for them which are in his tents. And the children of Israel did so and gathered some more, some less, and when they did meet it out with an omer, he that gathered much had nothing left over, and he that gathered little had no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating. See, the, the manna was gathered by the men of the tent. They went out every morning, the hunter-gatherer. And when the manna was brought into the tent, it was divided out according to the number of people that were in that tent. Now, the manna was there, but it couldn't, it was divided, but it couldn't help anyone until it was eaten, until they put it in their mouths. The only way to benefit from the manna was to get it inside you. Again, this speaks of Jesus. You can come to church and, and, and you can carry the right Bible and you can listen or hear sermons and sing songs and pray prayers and do all that religious stuff you want. But you're not going to be saved until you come to Jesus for yourself. No one can do it for you. I mean, thank God for the saved moms and dads. Thank God for the, the godly men and women that bring their children to church. For the godly grandparents. But you can't ride to heaven on their coattails. Grandparents that love Jesus are a blessing, but you've got to be saved for yourself. Now, this man is coming. I want you to see that it also pictures Jesus. <coughs> see, where the manna came and to who it appeared also says something about uh, this miracle bread. First off, I want you to see that it came to a forsaken place. Let's look at uh, uh, verse 1 and verse 14 of Exodus 16. Verse 1 tells us, it says, And they took their journey from Elam... And all the congregation of, uh, of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. And verse 14, it says, And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness, there lay a small round thing as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. See, the, the children of Israel were wandering around in a harsh, barren wilderness when the manna began to appear. When Jesus came, He came for the people. He came for those of us who were trapped in the wilderness of their sins. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. It says, And you hath He quickened who were dead, in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked according uh, to the uh, the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. 
And He also came to deliver people who had no hope of delivering themselves. Some of us tried everything, but they had no hope of delivering themselves. He came to set the captives of sin free. Luke chapter uh, uh, 4, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel unto the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus states His mission right there. Thank God Jesus came to where we were. Had He just come for the good people, heaven would have been a lonely place. No, He came for the lost, the sinful, and the damned. He came for us. Mark chapter 2, it says, When Jesus heard it, He said unto him, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick, I come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, this manna came to a foolish people. Look at uh, Exodus 16, verse 2 and 3. It says, And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full, for ye have brought us forth into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. See, God sent manna to a people who longed for what they had left behind in Egypt. They were tired of God's plan and God's way. And, and you know, the truth is, they didn't deserve His blessings. But still, He sent those foolish people the food they needed. So it is with Jesus Christ. He came to a people that wanted nothing to do with Him. He came to us when we didn't want anything to do with Him. In John chapter 1, it says, He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. And He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. He came to a people that hated Him, mocked Him, and ultimately crucified Him. Yet, He came to them anyway. He came in love and grace and forgiveness, and He came to offer them eternal life if they would only believe. And He makes the same offer to everyone in this room today. Folks, I I wasn't looking for Him when He came to me. Truth is, I was lost on my way to hell. And I knew there was a God, and I knew I was going to meet Him someday. But I knew I'd also probably face Him in judgment. But the truth is, I, I really didn't care about Him. I didn't give Him much thought at all, except when I thought maybe I was going to die. Um... But it appears that He gave me plenty of thought, the same as He did you. And He broke into my darkness and He called me to a new life. What about you guys? You ever tasted that heavenly bread? Have you been saved by the grace of God? See, if you have, you know what it is all about. If not, you can be. You know what? And we'd be just tickled pink to help you with that. Well, guys, there's so much more that could be said about the manna. You know, verse 7 of our passage this morning tells us that the manna was sent to reveal God's glory. 
Friends, understand that God receives more glory from saving us than from anything else in this world. If you need Him, why not give Him glory and come to Him today? Can you imagine... Let me close with this thought. Can you imagine eating that same food for 40 straight years? <laughs> A big bowl of what is it? I'm not... I'm sure that many got bored with that same old manna year after year. And that's why some of them tried to change it. Well, you know, the truth is, if you look around you, and you probably know people in your circle, because each one of us got circles, but there's some people that know the Lord, and they've gotten that way about Jesus too. The sameness of going to church and serving the Lord has led to boredom in their lives. And they're, they're, they're not as close to Him today as they once were or as they need to be. You know, for those of us here that are the same way, we might just need to go to Him this morning when we go into this time of invitation and say, thank you, Lord, for giving me the bread of life. Thank you, Lord, for the heavenly manna. Thank you for saving my soul. Because think about what a mess you'd be in if you hadn't. Thank you guys, Pastor. Jesus is everything you need. That's, that's the message of the day. You know, we, we have sermon after sermon, and it's on this, this subject and that subject, but the subject is still all the same. Amen. You know, we're kind of, we're kind of light on attendance today. And I'd love to see the day that I knew for sure that everybody here was saved. But I don't. I think most of you are. I'm pretty sure most of you are. But you know if you are or not and if you don't know that you are what's the other rest of the answer you're not because everybody that is knows it you know when it happened you know what you heard you know what you had believed you were there the Bible says whosoever has believed hath the witness in himself you were there this subject is not going to get any less serious. It's as serious as it can get. Let's stand together. I'm not sure what God spoke to you about during that message. There were a lot of things in there to hear from the Lord about. But whatever it is, why don't you deal with Him now for that?